Alrighty, folks, welcome into another brand new edition of the 901 Soccer Podcast. I know it has been a while. It is very good to be back. Uh, let's get the propers out of the way first. You can find the 901 Soccer Podcast on Twitter at 901 Soccer Pod. You can find us on Facebook as well. Just search 901 Soccer. I'm your host, Lawrence Stocker. You can find me on Twitter at LDoc93. Got a lot to get to on this uh, new edition of the show. Uh, Going to be talking Memphis 901 FC's big win over Swope Park Rangers on Saturday night. Final score of 4-2. to two. Uh, Give you my thoughts on all of that one. What I thought uh, was good for Memphis 901 FC. Uh, what I didn't like so much. And then we'll just kind of summar- summarize from there. Of course, give you the usual uh, updated attendance figures and so on. Uh, and then if we have time at the end, uh, and if I'm feeling up to it, which I'll get there, uh, we'll... we'll Maybe briefly, maybe not so briefly, discuss the disastrous debacle that was the U.S. men's national team performance against Mexico on Friday night. Um, Some of us tried to warn you that Greg Berhalter is a boob and a loser and uh, just sucks in every way imaginable. And Friday night did nothing to change that opinion. You three loss to Mexico, three zero loss to Mexico. Tata Martino owns them, but we'll get to all of that later. For now, uh, Memphis 901 FC made their return back home to AutoZone Park to take on Swope Park Rangers, and the road trip for Memphis 901 FC that lasted for the better part of a month uh, did not go. It had its ups and downs. Uh, Memphis, they had yet another game postponed, canceled, moved, relocated, whatever you want to call it, due to weather issues. I think that's probably the fourth one this year. That Does that sound right? I think this, they had one at home, and this would be, I think, the third road one. So that's, that makes four. Wow, look out, I'm a math major now. Uh, I don't think anybody in the country, anybody, anybody in USL has had to deal with with something quite like that. Uh, but the game against Charleston had to be rescheduled due to Hurricane Dorian. Uh, so on the road trip, Memphis, not great. They lost to Tampa. They lost to... Who else did they lose to? Somebody else. Somebody kind of in the southeast area. I don't remember. I know, I feel silly. Anyway, we'll, we don't want to talk about the losses. We want to talk about the wins. They wrapped up the road trip with a win at Atlanta United 2. Adam Najem got a pair of goals there. I believe he won USL Player of the Week for that. Uh, and then they returned home to AutoZone Park. And you're thinking, okay, we've got a win, a recent win under our belts. Uh, taken on probably the worst team in the USL in the, in the form of the Swope Park Rangers. So you think this could be, you know, we could start to string something together here. And off the bat, it was kind of a dull, listless, boring game. And then 15, 20 minutes in, Memphis got a couple of good chances. There were a couple of crossbar got rattled a couple times. Uh, Swope's goalkeeper had to make a couple of good saves. And then it's almost kind of been... At least every game this year, there's been one chance that Memphis is like, you got to put that in, and then they don't, and then they have to pay at the other end, and that's exactly what how this game got rolling. Um, kind of a nothing play, really. Uh, turned it into a break for Swope. They got a penalty. Charpy got cautioned and shown a yellow card for a foul in the area. Harris stepped right up, sent Caldwell the wrong way. 1-0 Swope Park, and now you're sitting here going, like, what? 
like this is this isn't Tampa Bay. This isn't you know Louisville City. This this is slow. They're bad. They've won two fewer games than Memphis to this point. Bad. Okay. And now you're down 1-0, and then uh, the, luckily the TV in the press box that had the CW30, CW30 broadcasted a game on with uh, Rob Fisher from Fox Sports, uh, the Grizzlies, was on the call with J.J. Greer, and I overheard the volume on the TV was loud enough that I was able to hear Rob Fisher give out a stat that that was the first time all season that Swope Park had scored first in a road game. And you're just like, like of course it was here. Right? Like, of course it was against Memphis. Why? Because why not, right? And just when all of those thoughts are starting to kind of creep into your mind and go, ugh, Memphis immediately responds. I'm like, immediately. It had to have been two minutes. And Pierre De Silva got the ball just inside the 18 and just ripped it. It was, that was, uh... I'll call it a tracer bullet, we can call it a rocket, we can call it a missile, we can call it a bomb, we can call it whatever. Uh, It was outstanding, and it's amazing how often you can score goals when you get in the area and shoot the ball. Pierre de Silva did that, tied it up at one. Not even a minute later, probably. Boom. Boom. Memphis earns a corner kick. Cam Lindley sends it in, and Josh Morton gets his head onto it. Just gets it past uh, Pulse Camp in the goal. 2-1 Memphis. In the span of five minutes, you've gone from down 1-0 to 2-1. to The Mafia is going crazy. There's smoke shells going off everywhere. Press box is sitting here going, oh, wow, what a turnaround. Then there was a little bit of a dust-up at midfield. One, uh, Mark Segbers for Swope Park got the caution out of that. You go into halftime up 2-1, to one and you're sitting here, you're, you're feeling good. You're feeling good because we all know that Memphis has had issues this year closing out games, closing out halves. But you really never felt like Swope really hadn't threatened, and it's like, I, where's the goal for Swope going to come from? They need a goal. Where, where are they going to get it? This, they're just not good. I mean, that sounds harsh, but they're not. I mean, they, they've got 15 points on the year. And then uh, there was actually one funny moment where three different Swope Park players were asking the referee to call the ball out of bounds, even though it was, I'd say, a good six or seven yards inside the line. And Marcus Epps just picked it up and ran past all of them while they all stood there with their arms in the air, just asking for something silly. And I no sooner had that thought than uh, Swope came right back down, found uh, Pedro, and point-blank range. That dude, nobody's going to miss that. Uh, I think only Yakubu for Nigeria at the 2010 World Cup is going to miss from that distance. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, look that up. You'll laugh hysterically. Or you'll sit there and go, huh? How did That's one of those ones that you say, my grandma could have scored that. And I think my grandma could have scored that, and unfortunately she is no longer with us. Um, But Pedro wasn't going to miss, tied it up at 2-2. And now you're thinking, come come on, man. Like, what? You go from a a, a 1-0 down, 2-1 turnaround, and now it's 2-2. Come on. And then Swope turned up to pressure. Caldwell had to make a, a... 
a number of excellent saves. Coach McQueen decided to roll the dice and start making substitutions, brought Elliot Collier on, and that made the difference. That really turned the thing, turned the game around. Elliot Collier did uh, yeoman's work making things happen, he, tracking back to midfield, picking the ball up, making those runs. We saw it happen um, against one of the Red Bull teams, I believe it was this year, where Collier, whatever the game was there, Collier got his hat trick, and he just picked, I, I believe that, you know, I take it back, that was the U.S., that was the regular season game against Hartford, not the Open Cup game, but the regular season game against Hartford, where they just decided to let Elliot Collier pick the ball up at midfield and just go until he scored, which he did three times. Uh, didn't score against Swope Park, but there were a number of those where he picked it up and they just let him go on and on and on and on, and he made things happen. Earned a couple of corner kicks, had a pair of fantastic, just ridiculously sexy assists to Brandon Allen. First one, uh, he played in a long ball that dropped, he drew right on a dime, dropped it right over, over Allen's head, right onto his foot. Allen outmuscled his defender, rifled it in three to two. Then, uh, of course, as after that, you've got the least surprising facet of any Memphis 901 FC game is Mark Burks being cautioned and showing a yellow card. Uh, I think I put it up on the podcast Twitter feed said uh, this has been a scheduled tweet uh, because, you know, that pretty sure. I mean, does he uh, he's been suspended for a number of games for yellow card accumulation. Um, I don't know what the exact number is, but I've got to imagine he's top tops in the league or close to it in yellow cards because uh, that happens quite often and then i touched on it a second ago elliot collier great work down the right hand side great ball into the six yard box and i don't know where swope park's defense was maybe they were all still back in kansas city but brandon allen was there wasn't anybody within 10 yards of him and he's not going to miss from inside the six yard box easy tap in four to two that's your ball game, folks. Uh, Memphis gets the win and gets their sixth win of the season, uh, assuming you don't count the two Open Cup wins. Uh, attendance uh, on the night. Give me a second and I can find that for you. Ah, yes, looks like the attendance was announced at uh, 6,036, which is actually quite good considering that while the Memphis game was going on, you had Ole Miss, Arkansas, Tennessee, and LSU all playing football games at the exact same time, and those are all fan bases that have uh, quite large follow. Those are teams that have large fan bases and large followings in this city. So to get 6,000, when the team hasn't been home in a month and they haven't re really been able to say, hey, here we're here tonight, come back next time, 6,036. Probably the low, I believe that's the lowest since the, that's the lowest USL attendance since the Birmingham game on May the 4th, and that's the lowest attendance since, overall, since the Open Cup game against Red Bulls 23 on May the 15th. So that would, that would, tech, I mean, that is the third smallest crowd at AutoZone Park of the year. At AutoZone Park, 14 games, total attendance of 95,161, average of 6,797. Then, of course, you had the two Open Cup games out of Mike Rose, but we're not going to count those in the AutoZone Park, obviously. So that's that. Um, next up, I believe next home game is in two weeks on the 21st against St. Louis, and there's not terribly many more home games left this season. I think there's... 
three in September and one in October. I know they play Louisville City at home in October, and I truly and really duly hope, as somebody who lives in Memphis but has a lot of family in Louisville, as somebody uh, who appreciates and gets and understands what Memphis-Louisville basketball was back in the day in the old Metro Conference and the old CUSA and even for the one year in the American, um, I really do hope that Memphis 901 versus Louisville City becomes an excellent rivalry. And you've got the family connection there, too, with Morgan Hackworth here in Memphis and his dad coaching Louisville City. Um, but anyway, so at least three more home games this year, maybe as many as five. I don't quite remember exactly off the top of my head. Next one, I know for sure, September 21st against St. Louis FC. So, with the Memphis 901 FC discussion out of the way, we are going to turn our attention to the U.S. men's national team debacle against Mexico on Friday night. And... What the hell was that? I didn't watch the game. I was out refereeing a tournament at Mike Rose Friday night, Saturday, Sunday. What was that? I get that Mexico has a super talented roster, and I get that Tata Martino was probably top five manager in the world over the last decade. And I get that Greg Berhalter is a bum. But just the... Some of the, it's just mind-boggling. It can't be like this, all right? It just can't. We cannot be this bad. I do not want to go into the abyss. But even as I say that, I realize we are in the abyss with Greg Berhalter. We are in the abyss. I tried to warn people. I know plenty of other people that try outside of the MLS water carrying media, Jeff Carlisle, uh, Grant Wall. Grant Wall is dick. Go away. Shut up. You are a douche nozzle. F off. Go jump into take your own advice and go jump into a lake. Um it's just we can't it cannot be this bad. It was never this bad under Jurgen Klinsman. It was never this bad. Like, it hasn't been this bad maybe since Steve Sampson managing at the 1998 World Cup when John Harks was nailing Eric Winalda's wife and got kicked out of the team for it. It Like, this is historically bad. I mean, the last time we looked that awful against Mexico was the 2009 Gold Cup Final when they housed us 5-0. And that ended up putting a lot of pressure on Bob Bradley, and he lost his job two years later. It just, the only thing dumber than U.S. soccer's decision to hire Greg Berhalter is Berhalter continuing to bring Will Trapp and Jossie frickin' Zardes into the team. Jossie Zardes couldn't score in a whorehouse. He is awful. And yet he gets to start over Josh Sargent, who, by the way, Greg Berhalter said, oh, is the striker of the future. 
Josh Sargent, you're good enough to be the starter at Werder Bremen in the Bundesliga. But you don't get to go to the U20 World Cup. You're not going to the U23 camp. You're not going to the Gold Cup. And you're not starting against Mexico. The decisions that Greg Berhalter makes rank up there with, hey, I don't know, this stove is on. Let me put my hand on it. Hey, you know the door that, you know the sign that says, don't open the freaking door while we're in flight? I think I'm going to open it. Oh, look, I found a grenade. Let me pull the pin out and shove it in my mouth. I just, I got a message for you, Greg Berhalter. Get out of my team. I can't stand you. You are not good. In fact, you are awful. And then to come out after the game, you just got housed 3-0 by Mexico, who, by the way, Tata Martino owns your punk ass, right? Never lost to you. He's, what, I think it's now, what, six, seven wins, zero losses, one draw, outscored you now, I think, 15 to one. You got, a, you got the balls to come out here and tell us that you think that's the best game the team has ever played under you? Fuck off! You just got your ass beat three to nothing, and you have that kind of, Who the hell do you think you are? What do you think, you're Pep Guardiola? Get out of here. Go ask Pep if he's okay with losing 3-0. Unbelievable. And that, oh, just what the crystallized, what just, was just amazing. After post-game press conference, Greg Berhalter says, well, I see where the narrative's going here. Yeah, you see where the narrative's going better than when you see Mexico's freaking game plan going. You know where the, media the media's narrative is going better than you saw freaking Curacao's game plan. Curacao's named after a damn liquor bottle, and you beat him 1-0. You got outshot, out-hustled, and outworked by a fucking liquor bottle. Get out of here. And then Greg Berhalter tried to fight a reporter. Did y'all see that? The dude went up to the podium and Berhalter got Sebastian Salazar. Go for, I, I retweeted it. I think I shared it again from the 901 Soccer account. Sebastian Salazar is the one. Credit to him. Berhalter is like in this dude's face arguing about his decisions. Berhalter said he didn't think the U.S. got overran in the midfield. Possession was like 65-35, bro. I think you got overrun. Oh, but hey, at least you were sweating your ass off looking like you're working hard wearing that stupid-ass tight sweater and those tight pants in the 95-degree heat. Yeah, again, cool fashion statement, bro. We really appreciate that. How about you dive... Oh, again, we also appreciate you taking time to diagram your ludicrous-ass system with Taylor Twelman. Who the hell do you think you are, Gregory? Thanks for sitting down and telling us, hey, let's pass the ball here and then let's play out of the back. I swear to God, if I have to hear play out of the back one more time, I'm going to have a stroke and die. That will happen. All of a sudden, Zach Steffen can't kick a freaking soccer ball. We saw it happen against Jamaica. We saw it happen against Venezuela. We now saw it happen against Mexico. I mean, what more evidence do we need that this dude is a total and complete loser? I can't wait. Uruguay, I don't know. Are they bringing Suarez? Are they bringing Cavani? I don't know. If even Regardless of whether they're bringing those two guys, um, they're going to house us. Tendence is falling off the face of a cliff. 
Bur oh yeah, Burr Halter handing out the orange slices in the juice boxes, patting everybody in the back. We f the, the the narrative within the team is that we're improving and making progress. Oh Jesus Christ! Shut up! Just shut up! Making progress, lose 3-0 to Mexico. Oh, by the way, the last time you played Mexico, you only lost 1-0. So against Mexico, you have regressed in a month. Greg Burhalter says, bringing Jossie Zardas into the game. Unbelievable. Into the squad. He's just a hill he's gonna die on. It's un I, it's unreal. It, I'm. I hate to have to do this. I hate to have to tell people to do this. We just we got to start pulling for losses. You think we're going to beat Canada in the Nations League? No. You think we're going to beat Uruguay? No. I don't know. Do we have Nations League in November? Do we have anything lined up for November? I don't know. We'll probably lose those games. But oh, we'll beat uh, Cuba five to one, and Berhalter will like it'll be like, oh, he got the team back on track. Ooh, you beat Cuba. They don't have running water in Cuba. And if you think I'm kidding, think back to when the men's national team played a friendly there in October of 2016, and they had to go back to the hotel to shower because the stadium had no running water. Yeah. Ooh, but we'll beat them 5-1, and Greg Berhalter will have righted the ship. Get out of my face with that crap. Go away. Just go away. Hey, you ever notice that every non-U.S. soccer-approved Greg Berhalter photo, he's got his tongue hanging out and his eyes look like... Uh, look like he's stoned out of his mind. Total loser. Total loser. Alright, before I go any farther off the deep end, we're going to wrap this up. Uh, thanks for everybody for listening to me yell and scream. Um, thanks for listening about 901. Thanks for showing up at AutoZone Park on Saturday night. Uh, next home game, September 21st against St. Louis FC. This has been another edition of the 901 Soccer Podcast. I'm your host, Lawrence Dockery. Find me on Twitter at LDoc93. Find the 901 Soccer Podcast on Twitter at 901SoccerPod. Find us on Facebook, 901Soccer, and we will talk to you next time.